Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Hey everyone, Tim Wright here, along with Dr. Michael Gurian, another episode of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting, and we are so excited to be with you once again uh, this week, and uh, we've got a special guest with us. I'm excited to introduce her to you in just a few moments, uh, but as always, we want to take uh, just a couple moments at the front end, Michael, to say thanks to our sponsors. We're here because mm-hmm. of them. We're free because of them, and uh, 203 episodes uh, and uh, Mike, uh, Greg Jantz has been a part of almost all of those at the center of Place of Hope. And so grateful to him and to his staff, his team up there in the Seattle area. In fact, I am uh, going through his book, The Anxiety Reset, right now and just doing some uh, uh, get myself back to my good place. Uh, and uh, he's just such a good writer. He's a good friend. And so if you ever need good resources, just go to the center of Place of Hope. And it's at uh, wonderparenting.com. Uh, they do their their main work is inpatient, but uh, as we've talked about before, Greg puts out about a book a year, and it's always on topics that can be helpful for you. So check them out. And a special thanks to Greg. And then we've got a new sponsor we introduced a couple of weeks ago. So Michael, tell us about Marion and Man Cave. Yeah. So Marion Hill is the founder. Um, on our Father's Day episode, people would have uh, heard from him. Really passionate, dynamic guy. He's the program coordinator for Head Start in Phoenix, and um, uh, he's also the founder of this Man Cave program, which is a nurturing fathers program. And so that is our sponsor. Um, uh, it's it's a really neat. It's M you know, man cave, but with periods, because it, yeah. what it kind of stands for is all men need to be caring, actively engaged, vested and encouraged. So very, very positive. And it's a father support. So it's supporting fathers and being good dads. And they do things in person if one is in Phoenix, but they also have the virtual and the online. So um, uh, it, it's, it's just incredibly rich. So if folks, the way they like to do it is text fatherhood, text fatherhood to 602-932-6633. And I put that on here, here, but it's also on wonderofparenting.com. So if you go to wonderofparenting.com, you also see how to access that uh, Nurturing Fathers program. Excellent. Well, as I mentioned, we have a special guest with us today. She is the author of what we think is a resource you're going to want to be familiar with. And we're so grateful she reached out to us and is a listener of the podcast. 
and said she's been writing on some things that uh, we thought uh, she thought the audience might be interested in. We think that's true, too. Uh, now, Rebecca, though, we asked you your first name, whether you wanted to be Rebecca or Becky, and you said, Rebecca, is it Roland or Roland? Roland. Okay. Yep. So we are so glad to have you with us. Thank you, first of all, for reaching out to us and for wanting to share uh, the stuff that you've been learning. So to give people context, tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah. So um, it's really, I wear several hats and that's probably what led me to write this book. So I'm the mom of two kids who are ages five and 10. I'm also a speech language pathologist. So I've worked at Children's mm. Hospital Boston uh, for over five years diagnosing learning disabilities. And I'm also a Harvard lecturer at the education and the medical schools. So really brought all those together, kind of bringing together experience and then also the research to write this book. So part of the reason why we asked Rebecca to be with us is because she speaks at Harvard and that just upped our game immensely, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, now we have street cred. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. We, we are, we're pitching way uh, above our, our pitching. Uh, That's it now. Here. That's Man. funny. <laughs> wow. well, there you go. Yeah. So tell us, uh, so you, so you have two children, boy, girl, boys, girls, uh, boy and girl. So I have a five-year-old son and a 10-year-old daughter. So a really fun age difference. <laughs> and um, and so you wrote, wrote the book. Tell us the name of the book. Yes, it's called The Art of Talking with Children. And um, the simple keys to nurturing kindness, confidence, and creativity in kids. So really, I set out all of these different areas, including those three, in which you can use back and forth conversation to build skills in kids. Uh, so such an important topic these days. What led you to write the book? So it was actually funny. It was becoming a parent, really. And um, I remember sitting on the couch with my husband one day, and we were just asking ourselves, and actually I was asking myself, what did we talk about this weekend? And that was just that one mm. simple question. And we had a very busy weekend. We were with our kids the whole time, pretty much. Um, but I realized as a, you know, an expert in language and speaking, I actually couldn't remember what we had actually talked about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I asked my husband and he couldn't remember either. So that was just a moment for me of recognition that I knew conversation could do so much. I knew how powerful it was from the research, but even as someone who knew that I didn't really know how to put that into practice. So this book oh. was an attempt to do that. You're, you're probably not the only parent who could have that aha moment. And <laughs> yes. so what you're talking about in this book sounds like strategic conversations with your kids to nurture these various things in them. And uh, you've got a concept called rich talk. What is rich talk? Yeah, so really, that's exactly what I was trying to do. I was trying to figure out, well, what are the ways in which we can jumpstart kind of meaningful conversations in our lives that actually are doable, even if we're busy, even if we have multiple things going on? So Rich Talk was my framework that I set out for doing that. Um, and it has three components. So I talk about the ABCs of Rich Talk. Um, and A is just to be adaptive, meaning that you're actually going with the flow of your child, you know, whatever mood your child's in. If they're growing up and they don't want to talk at dinner, but they start wanting to talk on long walks, you know, you're, you're being attentive to kind of their, their growth in terms of their conversations. Um, and B is the back and forth. So oftentimes I talk about talking at kids rather than with kids. So we oftentimes, you know, kind of give this fire hose or fire hydrant approach where we're just, you know, putting, you know, lectures or talking at them. But there's so much actually research and practice that shows that having that back and forth where your child is doing a lot of the talking too 
is building their skills a lot more. So that's the B. And then C is for child-driven. Not that all conversations will be starting with what's on your child's mind, but that to have some of these more meaningful talks, it's really important to attend to, well, where is your child coming from? Um, you know, are they upset about something? Are they worried about something? And actually to realize their preconceptions is so important in actually making them or helping them make sense of the world. Uh, like I actually had a conversation with my daughter a few weeks back when we saw some Ukrainian flags and she said, oh, I thought, you know, wars only happened hundreds of years ago. Mm. You know, she didn't actually realize that like, oh, people were still having wars these days, you know? And so actually for me, starting with that and understanding that was much more powerful way to talk about, you know, wars and conflicts. than if I had just said, you know, oh, there's a war in Ukraine or, you know, in Russia or something like that. So, um, so that was, that's the idea of rich talk framework. So mm. how long did you practice this on your kids before you thought I need to write a book about this? Uh, <laughs> well, it's funny. Cause it's actually, uh, it was a, yeah, <laughs> it was a gradual journey. And actually the book is kind of partially a memoir in that it's chronically mm. my journey of this. So it kind of tells some of the ways in which I did things I thought worked really well, but then also the ways in which I did things that I was like, oh, that actually didn't work as I had expected or, you know, something completely different came of that. So I really try to be humble in the book and kind of open up about the ways in which I did have mistakes um, in terms of this journey. And I did have successes just as anyone would on such a journey. So so give us an example of something you did that that in hindsight maybe didn't work as well as you'd hoped. Yeah. So um, it was funny because we talked at, my daughter was in preschool at the time. She's now 10 and she did not like to make mistakes. So she would blame them on other people. Even if she tripped, she would say that someone else made her trip, you know, or something like that. So the teachers told me like, oh, this is kind of a problem because she's having trouble keeping friends just because she, you know, has this pattern. And so I started out by really trying to be intentional and talking with her about it, you know, and saying like, well, <clears throat> you know, when we blame things on other people, like they don't, they don't like that. They don't agree with us. You know, it creates arguments. Um, she just really didn't take that to heart. It had little effect. And she just said, oh yeah, I don't do that mom. Um, but it actually wasn't until a different time when we started having what I called mistake conversations around the table, mm -hmm. when I would bring up a mistake I had made, <clears throat> and talk about kind of how it worked, what I tried, um, how I tried to make sense of it, that she actually started doing the same thing herself. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. 
Mm. So, Michael, I know that that conversations, uh, you've talked about this before, especially when your kids were a little older and you would have some strategic conversations over the dinner time uh, and you'd throw out topics and you'd learn to debate with each other. Uh, so talk a little bit about that experience for you and, and what you're hearing from Rebecca. Yeah, I, uh, this makes such sense, Rebecca. Thank you for this. The, um, I, it, the same mistakes, you know, I, I would I made the same mistakes. I definitely have a penchant to lecture. So, you know, I always have to had to watch that with my kids um, uh, and and uh, telling the story, telling my story of something and then eliciting from them, you know, um, their example of that it, it absolutely is a great way to go. Um, it's uh, it's it's humbling. You know, it's it's and that's a parent can be humble. It's not a bad thing at all to admit mistakes. It's actually very empowering for kids. Um and uh, and it, and it would it brought more out. And I think sometimes I think sometimes parents are worried uh, about admitting their mistakes or or talking a lot about their errors because they think they'll lose their authority with their kids or something like that. Um, it doesn't generally work that way. It generally works out that it 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 can empower the kids um, as long as you know as long as the parents are holding their authority and their parents and the kids are kids, but. But uh, it actually works opposite of how some parents fear. So I'm so glad you brought it up. Yes. And actually, what I've noticed is actually being a model for how you talk about mistakes is almost the best kind of quote unquote role model, you know, rather than Mm -hmm. just saying I'm a model for being perfect, but I'm actually a model for how do we talk through working through mistakes and strategizing about them. So I do try to keep an optimistic tone, but I think that's so important about the being humble with your kids. Mm. Rebecca, we live in a world where, uh, you know, far too many of our kids are being parented by devices, social media. And uh, how how have you worked through that with your kids? Now, they're a, a little younger, but how did you work through that with your kids? And what would you recommend to parents to help them begin to engage in conversations uh, in ways where kids will pay attention when all they want to do is just pick up that phone or go to their iPad? Yeah. So I think one thing to keep in mind is really how do you help kids become self-aware about their device use? So even from young, <coughs> sorry, let me just mute this for a moment. Yeah. Uh, she, she just clearing her throat. Yeah. We've all had that. It, it's <laughs> about, it's when you're a public speaker, yeah. isn't right. that, that's yeah, the curse. Know, been, yeah. <coughs> I've been talking too much. I think. Everyone's thinking COVID. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, I've actually <laughs> multiple times that I don't have COVID. So that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, I do that too, especially if yeah. I swallow. And then, yeah, I think I, I just have like a, a sinus thing, but um, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, actually, um, so actually, I talked um, about being self-aware about device use, and the idea is really to help kids actually realize that they can tell already how they feel when they're using or not using devices. Mm. So mm-hmm. to say, for example, even to my five-year-old you know, how do you feel after, I noticed your body's very, very excited after you watch that TV show. You know, mm. um, I think that that TV show is just really, really exciting for you, but maybe a little, we watch a little too much of it. So you're so excited, you know, that maybe we can tone it down a little or watch something different, you know, and starting that from a young age, I think can be so helpful in actually helping children recognize, well, how is my body and my mind reacting to mm. this? So mm. I think that's something we can do without even forcing kids to ban things, but something that's empowering for them also. 
it sounds to me like you're you're as a parent you're recommending and as an author as well to be really mindful of those moments that you can use for teaching conversations for bonding conversations uh how do you as a a parent how do you learn to teach yourself here's a moment mm-hmm. yes that's a great that's a great question i think it comes with practice a lot so i think that sometimes we want to make every moment teachable and we don't need to do that. So we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Like, what can Mm -hmm. I get out of this moment? Um, But I think that especially times when it feels like things are stuck, I think offering yourself a moment to just say, well, can I strategize creatively about this? Is there another way I can go about this? Um, And one that was very funny for me was actually my daughter was supposed to read for 20 minutes a night. That was just like a, a school rule. And mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily agree with it, but I was like, okay, so she's going to read for 20 minutes a night. But she didn't really like to read. So she just was at the point where it was a little hard for her. She wasn't, didn't, wasn't that fun for her. Um, and, but actually my son wanted to be put to bed at the same time. And his favorite thing was to be read to, have bedtime oh. stories. And, um, and it was so funny because I was in one room trying to put my daughter to sleep saying like, we have to do our 20 minutes of reading. And then my husband was in the other room saying to my son, well, like, which book do you want to be read? You know, do you want to read? And um, we were at this funny place where my daughter was like, I don't want to do my reading, you know? And my son was like, I don't want to go to bed. I want more stories. And I was like, wait, hold on. I think we could do something. (laughs) And so actually what we did was that I brought my daughter over to my son's room. I was like, Oh, look here, you can read some curious George, you know? And she was Mm. like, Oh, and she was so proud because she has, you know, she's the older sister. So I was like, right. oh, I'm kind of being like the mom here. I'm going to have some responsibility. I was like, you can put him to bed. The thing he likes the best is, which is true, being read to. Um, and she actually loved that. So she read to him for 20 minutes. He was happy. She did her reading. And, you know, <laughs> and actually that went on for several weeks. Um, and so I think that that's, that was an example for me where we felt kind of stuck but then I thought, okay, actually, if we can, you know, get the situation under control and just kind of actually have fun with it in a creative way, it can really help. Mm. It's your, the A of your adaptive, right? Exactly. Of your ABC, yeah. you were adaptive, yeah. Yeah, and realizing it doesn't have to happen a certain way. Now, do you, um, as a part of your strategy and thinking through this, do you look for those times like Michael did with his daughters where... Uh, we've got these these kind of set rituals. These are good times to talk like dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a bit about the rituals of life and how you can use those for conversation. Definitely. Yeah. So I think that there are definitely rituals you can use. But I think um, as a parent and also somebody who works with a lot of families, I found that it's really helpful to tailor it to your life. So the adaptive part, I think, is so critical. I think it's important to have routines and rituals. And I suggest especially to make just a little bit of downtime with each child um, Mm -hmm. and even do something that they feel like is special to them. Um, My daughter, for example, will always say, let's go for our little walk to the cafe because we always go for a walk and she asked me to play like truth or dare, you know, this kind of thing. So we have kind of our little rituals that we've developed. Um, But I am hesitant to say, you know, always dinner time because I think family dinner we know is so important for so many reasons but some parents and some families, it just, it doesn't work, you know, because right. one, one parent right. is working or, you know, the kids get home too late. And so I think it puts sort of undue pressure and stress on families to say, well, it has to happen at dinner. And they say, well, that just doesn't work, you know? And so mm-hmm. I think 
you know, you could equally well have family breakfast or, you know, you could have family, you know, before dinner time when you all sit around and talk or whatever works for you. So I think as long as we're intentional and strategic and thinking, can we make at least one time per day, ideally each with one child, one-on-one, and then as a family um, to make that meaningful conversation, even for just five or 10 minutes. Um, I think that's a great start. Mm, yeah. Do well you said. have, do you have certain, um, because every kid's going to be different, every relationship different, but do you have certain conversation starters that you use uh, to kind of help you get, I'm sure a lot of parents are, are thinking to themselves, well, well, how do I do this? Yes. Uh, you know, yes. I, I usually, I'll, I'll ask my 10 year old boy, how was your day? Fine. Right. Okay. Right. There was our conversation, right? Yes. 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 And I think that um, it's funny because I, that's such a common one. Um, and I think what's so funny is that that kind of thing, I think, is exactly like saying to somebody at work, you know, how is your weekend? And they say, fine. You know, you're not, that's not a really a conversation starter. And it's funny because we, we really want a conversation, but this nature of that question just lends itself to the answer, you know, fine or sure, good. You know, it's not really actually engaging with like what actually, you know, what actually happened. So two things I keep in mind. One is to be really specific. So if you want to ask a question to say like, oh, to know if you know something, especially about what could have happened in the child's day or, you know, was yeah, I know Jimmy was sick for the past week. Is he back yet? Or, you know, if they they have a friend that they've been having a fun game with for the last few days, like, oh, did you and Tommy, you know, what did you play today? Could you tell me more about that? Um, so I kind of try to be as specific as possible. And then also to notice if they've come home with something. So if they're like, there's paint on their shirt or they're, you know, carrying something, really start with what seems to be, you know, meaningful to them, what they're caring about in that moment. Um, And actually recognizing that bigger conversations can start with really small, you know, jump starts. So something Mm -hmm. like, oh, what happened with the paint on your shirt? You probably get a more interesting story than if you say, how was your day? Um, so I think that kind of, that, that start, I also play games with kids. So, you know, can you tell me like, what was the most boring thing that happened in your day? You know, what was the most scary thing or the most exciting thing or, you know, something like that where they're kind of pushed to, and then they do it for you as well. So I think that, you know, rather than thinking about it as a probing session to see, you know, how can they ask you questions that are fun for them? Yeah. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Mm. You know, Michael, you, you talk a lot yeah. about um, how important it is to to have bi-strategic parenting and these mm-hmm. kinds of conversations. And I, I know one of the things for you, Rebecca, is that children uh, are going to be, they're going to thrive if they have at least one adult that they can have deep conversations with. But Michael, uh, 
we, we tend to, you know, generally speaking, guys tend to have conversations a bit differently than women tend to have conversations. Mm-hmm. And so talk from your perspective a little bit about what you're hearing from Rebecca in terms of the brain science that you bring to the table. Uh, yeah, I, it's really neat. It's really neat to hear because the, you know, my mind definitely goes there to how to maximize each parent and how is each parent going to, uh, and of course we know there could be two moms, two dads, there are many constellations for a family. Uh, if we look at, at men and women, yeah, men do, do, uh, uh, tend to be more quick burst and, don't, you know, again, it's a tendency. I rely a lot on words. I'm a man. Tim relies a lot on words. We're mm-hmm. both men. But when we generalize, we know that just in terms of word production, men are not producing as much. Mm-hmm. Fathers are not producing as much, you know. And so that is why I I, I really think it's so important to, to um, make sure there is someone who is, you know, and often it's the mom if it's not the dad. Um, at the same time, the way that each parent does it is good. Even if the dad isn't using a lot of words, there's a, one of the things that I think dads often do that's really wise and they don't realize it is they connect things to action and you just said that Rebecca you were talking about and and sensorial like the paint on your shirt um or um or you know let's do this Mm -hmm. and then the conversation comes after during or after the doing and um so and everyone can practice all of these things right it's not there's no one's limited but it's just sort of how how maybe nature gets involved and um, and it's so good to have conversations with with someone that are that are that are just back and forth constantly about what it felt like and what that you know right and then it's also good to have conversations that are sort of action packed and that are connected to action. Um, it, so it's really all good and both ways of, of doing it are good or all ways of doing it are good. And they're all doing the thing that we talk a lot about on this program in terms of brain science and trying to help connect the midbrain to the top of the brain, you know, the prefrontal orbital frontal and frontal to get them connected because that's what maturity is. And one of the ways that, that they can connect is through word production and through, through circuits closing and synapses closing because, um, because words have been used and words are a really good way and talking is a really good way and you're you know the rich talk you're talking about is it, it seems to me it's like directly connects with um helping the maturation helping the social emotional helping to close circuits and build synapses between midbrain and upper brain does that make sense Oh, definitely. And it's actually so funny that you say that because there um, there was some research that recently came out um, from MIT just showing that they did an intervention study. So actually training some parents to do more back and forth conversations. Um, and they found that that was linked to stronger language skills in the children, but also stronger stronger social skills and activation of more of the social parts of the brain. Right. Um, so I think that was so interesting because they didn't really expect that. But Obviously, conversation is a social activity as well as a language activity. Um, so I think that to me is is so critical, um, recognizing that we're doing multiple things when we're having conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And that when that thing of you know how was your day, right? Which which we all which we all say how was your day? My day was fine. Often I don't know. Often people we don't want to downplay that that's that mm-hmm. that's that's a bond, right? right? What's really happening is is. Um, uh, we're rebonding exactly. with our offspring or with our spouse. We're rebonding, and um, and then what you're saying is okay. That's that's good. That's rebonding. And now let's deepen it. So now we now 
now that we're rebonded, mm-hmm. you know, let's go deeper in, which will, of course, increase the bond. And so that's another th- another advantage of what you're talking about for parents who are listening is as you have these rich conversations, which, like you say, Rebecca, you know, maybe once a day. I mean, it's not like you're going to sit around and do this all the time. Um, but when you can have them and then, oh, you also said so wisely, if possible, each parent has an individual time with each child, if possible. Um, and then there's the family time. So that's really going to be three opportunities, if, if that's mm-hmm. possible. That's three opportunities um, for this rich talk that are kind of planned out, mm-hmm. maybe. And but and then there will be others that are just organically going to happen, but at least these three. And that that leads to the deeper bonding, too. So it's it's a both and, right? It's killing killing two birds with one stone. You're increasing <laughs> exactly. the bond, which you like, and building the brain. Exactly. And what I think is so great, what I've noticed, and I think why I was inspired to write this book is that I found that you you might think, oh, I do those three times and then I have to keep doing those three times, you know, every every day. But actually what you'll find and what I found in so many families is that children take those opportunities. They remember them. They like them. And then they ask for them again. Mm-hmm. You know, so it becomes kind of they they ask for that type of bonding. At least my my kids have and so many others. They have, do. You know? yeah. So it feels as though it kind of organically can change things in a larger pattern, you know, where you don't feel as though, oh, I'm just, you know, jump starting constantly. Actually, kids will say, you know, well, let's do that thing where you ask me about whatever. Let me ask you, you know, so it becomes, I think, a fun and playful experience a lot of the mm. time. Mm. As, I, as I'm listening to the two of you talk, a, a question came to my mind, uh, and Rebecca, we'll, we'll let you start. What is it about living in 2022 that made it important to write a book like this? It almost seems a no-brainer that parents should be having conversations with their kids, and yet we're seeing books like yours. We get questions for our podcast what what's going on in 2022 that moved you to say i i want to help parents have better conversations with their kids yes i mean i really think that right now it's just a perfect storm of factors just making it really challenging um for to be a parent to be a caregiver to be a child today there's so much to process and there's so many sort of you know obstacles both on the child side but on the parent side also to feeling disconnected you know whether it's having to, you know, be a working parent while your kids are at home. So there's a lot of demands. There's a lot of frustration on both sides. Obviously, technology, difficult news, you know, whether it's needing to process things about, you know, school shootings, violence, Mm. war, you know, so many different big topics that kids are struggling to process. And just the constant, you know, media stream. So so many kids have access to these things so that, you know, they may be watching YouTube to do something else. And then there's a stream of videos about, you know, whatever is happening on the news. So they are being exposed to it, whether or not parents are sort of intentionally exposing them to it. Um, So I think all of these factors mean that it's so important now that kids are wanting to bond, parents are wanting to bond, but, um, you know, how do we do that in ways that don't lead to more burnout? Right. Mm. Very, very good. Mm. So we're, we're getting close to wrapping up. And, and this may be a way for you to sort of summarize, but give, give our parents two or three strategies for having rich talk with their kids. Yeah. So um, one strategy I would say is really just, um, this might seem maybe the most simple one, is to try, if you haven't tried before, just um, either take a walk with your child 
or mm. sit with your child and do something that's meditative and quiet for a few minutes, whether it's, you know, playing Uno or playing chess or doing whatever you do, and just wait and see what your child has to say to you. So actually be the one mm. to be the receptor of your child's initiation. Uh, I think we don't actually take that time intentionally enough. Um, and I think you might be very surprised uh, what happens if you shift the dynamic in that way, in huh. a very small, <laughs> small way. Um, and whatever it is your child wants to do with you, you know, not to force an activity, but say, say you typically play basketball after dinner, you know, just actually wait and be silent and actually wait until your child comes up with something they want to tell you. Yeah, uh, that's good. Mm, yeah. good. <laughs> so that would be one. I think that's just really, really simple, but just, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then um, let's see, I think another one would be just to notice um, the balance of talk and silence between you. So mm. some parents may have the tendency to just be really silent and their child maybe wants more from them. And then some parents may tend more towards sort of over talking and the child yeah. feels as if, you know, they're not getting a word in. So it may be that, you know, may fall somewhere on the spectrum. Um, but I think depending on which child it is, which parent you are, you know, just notice um, how is that back and forth? How is the balance between you and the child in terms of the talk and the silence? And see just for one conversation, can you shift that balance so it's more equal, whichever way it seems to be lopsided? Mm. That is really good. Obviously, we don't want you to give away the whole book because we want people to buy the book. Tell us the name of the book. Yeah, so it's The Art of Talking with Children, The Simple Keys to Nurturing Kindness, Confidence, and Creativity in Kids. And and because people aren't seeing us, they're just hearing us. Spell your last name for them. Oh, yes, it's Roland, so R-O-L-L-A-N-D. All right, so Rebecca Roland, The Art of Talking with Children, and it just came out in 2022. Exactly. Is that correct? I mean, mm -hmm. this is this is fresh off the press. I mean, <laughs> yes. if, if parents, if you've ever wanted to be cutting edge, this is it right yeah. now. Uh, I'm guessing it's available on Amazon and uh, all other places where people order their products and books. Exactly. Yes, they can find yeah. it anywhere, or you can go to my website as well. It's just RebeccaRoland.com. Okay. RebeccaRoland.com. Rebecca, it has been a privilege for us to have you. You have elevated our game. Oh, no <laughs> well, it's been great. To, I've, I've very much yeah. appreciated your work. So yeah. thank you for having me. Well, thank, thank, <laughs> thank you. And, you. and uh, yeah. we, we've got a Harvard lecturer who likes us, Michael. So that <laughs> says something. Yeah. <laughs> you you know, you're Tim's friend now because he's found the thing he can make fun yeah. of. But he, but <laughs> exactly. you think he's complimenting you. You know, it's yeah, like, I know, I know. Ah, yeah. you should see my son. He says, I beat the professor when he. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, very good. Well, Rebecca, oh. you've been delightful. I, we, wish you all the best with your book it sounds like a winner and thank you so much and and uh, we want to encourage all of our listeners head over if you haven't done this yet uh go to facebook and join our wonder of parenting page and uh, we've got updates for you there are all kinds of parents over a thousand parents on there who are asking questions or answering questions uh giving each other advice it's a great site and of course wonderofparenting.com uh rebecca thank you michael thank you thank you thank you thank rebecca you so thanks much. thanks, thank so much thanks everyone you bet. Right, thanks. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.